let God transform your life as you listen to this inspiring sermon by Rev. Richard C. Whitcomb. Merry Christmas! I don't know about you, but I love Christmas. Anybody else love Christmas? I think it's one of the most wonderful times of the year. My love for Christmas began when I was just a small boy. I can remember those days long ago when my family celebrated Christmas by buying gifts for one another. And my parents used to buy special gifts for me and my sisters. And it was such a wonderful time. But they didn't want us to know the gifts ahead of Christmas. So they would sneak them into the house before Christmas and they would wrap them in colored paper with fancy bows and ribbon and then they would put them way up high on a shelf until Christmas morning. Now every year it was our goal as children to try to discover what was inside our package ahead of time. So my parents would hide the gifts high up on a shelf in the wardrobe. The higher the gift, uh, the safer it was from curious little eyes. But sometimes, as a little boy, I would get a little glimpse of the mystery of the packages that awaited me. For just a moment, the wardrobe door would open, and if I stood on my tiptoes, I could just see some bright wrapping paper with ribbons and bows sticking from the top shelf. I could not hope to reach it. I could not possibly see it well. But sometimes, if I were lucky, I would just get a small glimpse into the future joy that waited for me. But then, on Christmas Day, well, that was the day when the hidden gift was revealed. On Christmas morning, the door of the wardrobe would be pushed back and the big strong arms of my father would reach high and bring down the packages and he would carry them into the parlor and put them under the Christmas tree right down low on the ground where even the smallest child could receive them and they became accessible to everyone. How excited we were to receive our gifts. As a child, Christmas was the day that made every other day worth living for. That was the day all our hopes and dreams came true. It was the day the gifts came down to our level and we could touch them and open them and experience them. When you think about it, that's exactly the same thing that happened to all of humanity on Christmas morning. See, for thousands of years, mankind had waited for God's gift to come. Even though God wanted to have fellowship with us, for most men and women, God was unknown. He was distanced. He was like a package on the shelf. He could be seen from afar, but never experienced. We could talk about him and speculate about him, but we did not know him he was not near we couldn't see and touch and feel God but then on Christmas morning Jesus was born and God came near the best gift of all came all the way down from heaven and it came to earth into a manger so low that even the smallest among us even the lowest among us even the least among us could touch and feel and experience God the gift came from heaven to earth to the lowest point and God came near. And that's the meaning of Christmas. Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So let's unwrap the gift this Christmas and let's find out what's inside. Let's handle it and experience it and feel it. Let's come close to God. For if you will unwrap the gift of Christmas and receive it into your heart and home, it will change you 
when God comes near. But before we unwrap the Christmas gift today, let's bow our heads and pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we thank you as a great and loving God that you sent us the greatest gift of all, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. He came from heaven down to the lowest point of earth so that we could all see, feel, touch, and experience your presence. So we ask you on this Christmas day, Lord, that you will open up our hearts and minds, that we can receive the fullness of your presence in our lives. We submit to you now, we bind every voice of the devil that would come to deceive or disturb or distract us. And in the name of the Lord Jesus, I loose the power of the Holy Spirit to enlighten our hearts and minds, to give us the truth we need to receive you in your fullness. Let every promise and every presence and every power of God available through Christ be ours today, that your name will be glorified and we will be transformed. We thank you by faith in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I invite you to take a moment and join your faith with mine right now. Put your hand on your chest and pray after me. Lord Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. Manifest your glory in me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, hello, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Just turn to your neighbor and say, Merry Christmas. It's great to be here with you during this Christmas season. I'm so thankful for your life and for the presence of God here with us. And we're here on a journey today to discover the true meaning of Christmas. And to help us do that, we've prepared sermon notes. You can find yours in your bulletin, or if you're joining us online, you can download the notes for free from our website and our social media pages. So go ahead and take out your notes and follow along with me as we learn more about Jesus, our Emmanuel, God with us. There at the top of your notes is our scripture text for today. It's the Christmas story found in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 1. Here, the angel of the Lord has appeared to Joseph, and he's giving him a message in verses 20 to 23. Now, receive the word of the Lord. Mary will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill, somebody say fulfill. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Somebody say Emmanuel, which means God is with us. May the Lord bless the reading of his word to your heart today in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. This beautiful passage from Matthew 1 is not just a part of the Christmas story. It's the key to understanding why Jesus came. So let's take a moment and break down this passage and discover the meaning of Christmas. And here's your first truth today. Christmas means that Jesus is God's promise fulfilled. Listen again to the words of the angel in Matthew 1.22. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. So to understand the story of Christmas, you have to understand that it's a story of fulfillment. I believe the purpose of Christmas can be summed up in one word, and that's the word fulfillment. In fact, our scripture text for today tells us about a promise God made through the prophet Isaiah. Listen to Isaiah 7:14. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. 
us. And Jesus' birth by the Virgin Mary is a direct fulfillment of the promise of God. It's a fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah to bring us a Savior. For the fact is, Jesus came to fulfill God's plan for man. Right from the time that Adam and Eve sinned, God desired to bring man back to himself and draw him near. And so all through history, God was working and moving to bring us a Savior. That's why over and over again, he spoke through the prophets and he spoke through the angels and gave visions and prophecies about what was coming. And Jesus' birth fulfilled those prophecies. It was prophesied that he would be born in Bethlehem and Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. Somebody say amen. It was prophesied he would be born a virgin and Jesus fulfilled that prophecy. He was prophesied he would come from the tribe of Judah and be a descendant of King David and Jesus fulfilled those prophecies. Somebody say fulfilled. Jesus coming fulfilled God's plan to redeem man. Jesus coming fulfilled God's promises and prophecies about his birth. But the best news of all is that Jesus' arrival brings fulfillment to you and me today. For in the fulfillment of his story, we find the fulfillment of our story. In his promises, we find every need met. For you see, if God fulfilled the promise to send Jesus, we can know that we can trust him to fulfill every promise in our lives too. That's why 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. All of God's promises are fulfilled in Christ. The conditional ones and the unconditional ones. The Old Testament promises and the New Testament promises. The big ones and the small ones. The promise to the sinner and the promise to the saint. The promise to the prisoner and the promise to the pure. The promise to the young and the promise to the old. The promise to the weak and the promise to the strong. Every promise, all of the promises are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Somebody shout fulfilled. And here's the good news for all of us today. There is no need in your life that God does not have a promise for. God has a promise for every need, for everyone. That's why Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He's promised to meet every single need in your life. Every physical need in your life is met through Christ. If you believe it, say amen. That's what we see in the children of Israel. Imagine the promise that God gave and the fulfillment of that promise. There were three million people in the children of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt and they spent 40 years in the desert, 40 years in the wilderness, 40 years where they could not farm. But God said, I'm gonna meet your need. I'm gonna supply your physical need, your food, your water, your daily bread. And listen to what Joshua proclaimed in Joshua 21:45. Not a single one of the good promises the Lord has given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true. And I'm here to tell you today, if he can take care of three million people for 40 years in the wilderness, he can take care of you. If you believe it, say amen. But it's not just your physical needs that God meets. He meets your emotional and your spiritual needs as well. For 2 Samuel 22, 31, the Bible says God's way is perfect. All, somebody say all. All the Lord's promises prove 
true. He's a shield for all who look to him for protection. And maybe you're facing a situation right now that has you discouraged. Uh, It seems that the promises of God aren't working. Maybe your year up to now has been a year of disappointment. And here you are at Christmas. You're discouraged. uh, You're defeated. You're downcast. Maybe there's a bill due or a relationship that's broken or a promise that is yet to be fulfilled. But know today that you can count on our God. He knows your need. He knows what's best for you. He has a promise for every need and his promises never fail. For Psalm 12, 6 says, the Lord's promises are pure like silver refined in a furnace, purified seven times over. So here's the truth you need to pack up and take home with you today. Are you ready? Never allow the presence of difficulty to cause you to question the promises of God. Amen. For the Bible says in Hebrews 10.23, God can be trusted to keep his promise. Just put your hand on your chest and say that after me. God can be trusted to keep his promises. And that's the meaning of Christmas. Christmas means God's promises. All of them are always fulfilled. For you see, If there was ever a promise that God would break, it would have been the promise to send his son. Of all the promises God made to man ever, the promise of sending his son was the most expensive one to keep. For God to heal you, it doesn't cost God anything. For God to supply you, it doesn't cost God anything. For God to comfort you, it doesn't cost God anything. The only promise that cost him something to fulfill was giving up his son and sending him to earth. But if God kept the most expensive promise, won't he also keep all the others? And Christmas gives us confidence in all the promises of God because if he kept the most expensive promise to bring Jesus to us, then seeing that fulfillment reassures us he will keep every promise every day to every one of us because Christmas cost God something years ago I went to a restaurant to eat I enjoyed the meal I wiped my mouth I paid the bill and when I finished I got up and went out of the restaurant and went to my car to get in but when I got to the car it was then I discovered hey I had lost my keys suddenly I remembered I had left the car key on the table I'd taken it out of my pocket when I was eating and put it on the table I rushed back inside to try to get the car key from the table but to my shock and surprise the server had already cleared the table and he would picked up the keys and the napkin and the serviette and the plates and everything and put them all in a huge dustbin hey I said, please, where are my keys? The waiter said, I don't know, but you can search for them if you like. Oh, thank you very much. They sent me to the back, to the dumpster, to the rubbish bin, and there they said, please, go and search for your keys. I had to stick my arm in that rubbish, rotten food, slimy oil, Hey! I had to dig through all the food and the serviettes and people's all kinds of nonsense. But when I dug down deep, I found my keys. And that's what happened on Christmas Day. Jesus came down 
and had to endure the dirt, the filth. He had to endure the troubles and the trauma and the pain of this earth. He had to experience hunger and weariness. He had to come down into the slime of our sin to find us, but he searched for us. He came after us. That's the purpose of Christmas. That's why he came, and if he would come down to dig through the dirt to save you and rescue you, won't he do everything else you need right now? Won't he do everything that he's promised now that you belong to him? For into the dark night, he came as the light of the world. Into our sin-filled world, he came as our savior. Into our poverty, he brought heaven's glory. Into our misery, he brought joy. Into our confusion, he came as the prince of peace. Into our loneliness, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. And that brings us to our second meaning of Christmas. Jesus is God's presence with us. Listen to this proclamation from God from verse 23 in our text. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And when Jesus came to earth, he brought the very presence of God to earth to dwell with us. And when we receive him as our Lord and Savior, the presence of God comes to live inside of us. So here's the truth. You need to pack up and take away as your Christmas gift today. Christmas means God came to live among us so that he could live in us. That's exactly what Jesus himself said in John 14, 23. Listen to his words. All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them and we will come and make our home with each one of them. And when you receive his presence, you receive everything that he has. When you receive his presence, you get hope and peace and joy and love and every good gift from God the Father. When you get his presence in your life, all you need, all anybody needs is the presence of God. The most important thing in the Christian life is your connection to God. For that's what separates us. That's what makes us different. That's what saves us. That's what fills us. It's what sets us apart. Exodus 33:16. the Bible says, Your presence, Lord, among us sets your people and me apart from all other people on the earth. For you see, when you get into God's presence and his presence gets inside of you, it changes you. It changes everything. It's his presence that makes life worth living. It's his presence that changes us into his image. It's his presence that gives us the power to overcome sin. It's his presence that will change you this Christmas. For the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 3, 16 and 18, whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. When Jesus comes into your life, the barrier between you and God is removed. Your sins are washed away. You have direct access to the Father, and you come directly into his presence. Every veil, every barrier, every obstacle is removed, and you see him as he is. You hear him as he speaks. You feel his power inside of you and around you. Everything is removed, and as you come into his presence and see him, you become like him. You are changed. 
you don't become like Jesus by imitation. You become like Jesus by habitation. You're changed by his presence living in you. And I guarantee you, this Christmas and this year, if you will get into God's presence, you will be changed. You will be transformed. The bondages will drop off of you. Burdens will drop. Peace will flow. Sins will vanish. Purpose will be revealed. And your heart will be changed because his presence is everything. If we have events but lack the presence of God, we have nothing. If we gain popularity and fame as ministers, as a church, as Christian people, but we don't have God's presence, we have nothing. If we're active in religion and we say prayers and follow God's word, but we don't have his presence, we have nothing. If we build cathedrals but lack God's presence, we have nothing but wood and cinder block and all other things of the physical world, but we have nothing of eternal value. You can wear a cross around your neck, but it's nothing but jewelry unless you have the presence of God. You can remember God and celebrate God and sing about God and pray to God, but it means nothing without the presence of God. And you can celebrate Christmas. You can decorate a tree and sing the carols. You can give gifts and go to parties, but without the presence of Jesus, it's not Christmas. For all of our efforts at church mean nothing if we lack the presence of God. Our songs, our prayers, our scripture reading, our activity, our giving means nothing without his presence. There's no purpose, no fulfillment, no satisfaction, no life without Jesus. That's the lesson that Pastor Jeremiah discovered one Christmas Eve. Pastor Jeremiah was newly at his church. He'd just come that year, and he was excited to make a big impact. He had a big vision for his church. He'd heard about a church in the UK that had something called a live nativity. He read that this church prepared their stage as if it were the manger in Bethlehem, and they had actors from the church come and act as Joseph and Mary, and they had a baby. They even had animals like sheep and goats, and he'd heard that this event caused a big number of people to come and join the church. So Pastor Jeremiah decided on his first Christmas in this church, he would have a live nativity. He went and talked to the church and told them all about it, and everyone got excited. They selected their roles. Sister Anna was going to be married. Deacon Stephen would be Joseph. And they even got someone to say that they could use their little baby boy for the ceremony. They got sheep and goats. They even brought a cow. They decorated the stage and they got the choir to sing. And oh, they prepared for months and months to prepare this live nativity. Then they invited all their friends and neighbors. And on 24th, on Christmas Eve, when they were having the program, Pastor Jeremiah stood in the front of the church and he saw the crowd coming. On stage were the actors and the choir. On stage was the set and the animals. On stage, it looked like Bethlehem and the people were coming. Jeremiah knew this would be a Christmas to remember. Hey! But then, as they were about to start the program, someone came and told Pastor Jeremiah some troubling news. The baby who was supposed to represent Jesus had not yet come. So he quickly dispatched someone to the house of the mother of the baby to ask what happened. And the brother came back and said, oh, the mother says she cannot release the baby tonight because the baby has chicken pox. Oh, 
Well, everybody knew the baby couldn't come with chicken pox, and so they didn't know what to do. There was no baby, no child to lay in the manger, no little boy for Mary to hold, no one to represent the Christ. How could they celebrate Christmas without a baby in the manger? How could they tell the story of Christmas without a child? Pastor Jeremiah had wanted to illustrate for the whole community the meaning of Christmas, but without a child, it didn't make any sense. Without a child, Christmas meant nothing. So while the choir sang and the animals moved and the people were restless, Pastor Jeremiah prayed and prayed and prayed. While the children dressed as angels acted and the crowd waited, Pastor Jeremiah wondered, what do I do? You can't have Christmas without a baby Jesus. There was nothing to celebrate. Everything they did would be useless and worthless without the child. All the beautiful singing, all the lovely costumes, all the practice and preparation meant nothing without Jesus. Because Christmas isn't about angels singing. Christmas isn't about the shepherds coming. Christmas isn't about the wise men and their gifts. Christmas isn't about Bethlehem or the manger or Mary or Joseph. It's about Jesus. And without Jesus, there is no Christmas. As the program continued, Pastor Jeremiah suddenly remembered that in the compound next to the church, he'd often heard a small child crying when he was passing to the service. Maybe, he thought, I could go and convince the mother to lend me her son. Maybe she will give us a baby Jesus for our Christmas play. So while the choir sang and the children recited their verses and the animals moved around, Pastor Jeremiah slipped out the back door. He rushed to the next compound and asked the mother, please, can I borrow your baby for our Christmas program? Hey, the mother said, what are you talking about? Are you mad? Why can't you just sing songs? Why can't you just read Bible verses? Why do you need my baby? And why should I give my child to you? So Pastor Jeremiah sat down with her and told her the Christmas story. He told her about how the world had a need, a need for forgiveness, a need for peace, a need for joy, a need for new life. He told her about one night when God sent his very own son down to us to give us a savior, a light of the world, a prince of peace, a Christ the Lord, someone who would bring God with us. And he told her that God had made that sacrifice so that the world could be saved. Without him, there would be no Christmas. Without God the Father giving his son, there would be nothing to celebrate. No angels would sing, no shepherds would come, no wise men would worship, and none of us would be saved. No light, no hope, no salvation for any of us. If Jesus had not been born, we'd have no reason to sing, no reason to celebrate, no reason to rejoice. When the woman heard the story, she thought for a moment, and then she did a beautiful thing. She lifted her child, wrapped him in a blanket, and gave him to Pastor Jeremiah. Pastor Jeremiah rushed back to the church with the little baby in hand. By now, the choir had finished singing. By now, the children had finished reciting. Everybody was moving around in anticipation, expectation, but it was dead silent in the church. No one seemed to know what to do. Everyone was just sitting, waiting. And then with joy in his heart and a smile on his face, Pastor Jeremiah rushed into the church. We have a baby boy. We have a baby boy. We have Jesus.
Jesus, Jesus has come. And the whole crowd shouted. The choir was clapping. The children were dancing. The animals were moving. And Pastor Jeremiah brought the little baby and Mary held him. And suddenly, everything was all right. It was a perfect Christmas at Pastor Jeremiah's church. A child was born. A son was given. An empty manger was filled. A need was met. And just like the very first Christmas long ago, people saw what God had done. He gave his son for us. And I'm here to tell you today, there is no Christmas without Christ. There's no celebration without his presence. He's the center of the story. He's the reason for the season. He's the cause of our joy and the purpose of our worship. And everything we do centers around Jesus because nothing means anything without him. His presence brings us light. His presence brings us peace. And his presence will give you the strength you need to endure everything and to pass into the new year. You will overcome every obstacle with his presence inside of you. And that brings us to our third meaning of Christmas. Jesus is God's power to prevail. Somebody say prevail. See, Jesus is God's promise fulfilled. And Jesus is God's presence in us. And Jesus is God's power to prevail. For verse 21 from our text says, You are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And here's what that means to all of us today. Jesus came to save us from every obstacle and every shackle and every barrier and give us the power to prevail. No matter how strong your enemy, Jesus has come to save you. If you believe it, say amen. Because see, Jesus is in the business of saving and redeeming people. He's come to save you and to wash you from your sins and make you clean and make you whole. He's come to save you you from sickness and restore what the devil has stolen from you. He's come to save you from bondage and from Satan and from darkness and bring you all the way out. There is no situation my God cannot turn around for his glory. You're never too far. You're never too low. You're never too lost. You're never too late for Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. For Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. You may be bound by a habit, but Jesus has come to save you. You may be limited by your finances, but Jesus has come to elevate you. Jesus has come to push you higher. You may be trapped in a dead-end job. You may be lost and out of work and out of luck and out of hope, but you're never out of grace. Jesus has come to break every shackle and set you free. And there's no situation in life God cannot redeem. He's the Savior. He can turn everything around for his glory. Even when things go against you, God is able to work it out for your good, for he is sovereign. He's on the throne. There is no circumstance that is not under his control. There's no situation that surprises him or catches him off guard or unprepared. In fact, because he is sovereign and working behind the scenes, oftentimes things that don't look good 
good at first, God turns it around for greater good and greater glory. For the fact is, God is above all things and above all circumstances. There is nothing in this world that God cannot redeem. He can set aside the laws of nature. If he can make a virgin conceive, he can do any miracle in your body. God created nature, and he is sovereign over nature. He rules over all of it. Listen to what the Bible says. It tells us that God is over all of nature, for the word of God tells us that he is the one who created it in Psalm 47, 7 to 9. God is the king over all the earth. God reigns above the nation, sitting on his holy throne, for all the kings of the earth belong to God. And the one who created the stars and put them in their place, and the one who created the earth and put it in place, and the one who created you and put you in place, rules over all things, and he rules over every kingdom and over every king and over every power. And all through history, the powers of this world have tried to stop God's plan. When Pharaoh saw that God was blessing the Hebrews, he ordered all the Hebrew children to be killed. But God laughed at Pharaoh, and God raised up Moses and overthrew Pharaoh and his army. Somebody say amen. And kings and nations tried to destroy God's people, but God always came through, and his people prevailed. When Jesus was a baby king, King Herod tried to wipe him out and sent soldiers to kill the baby boys. But God is greater than any king, and no king can thwart his plan. And God rescued Jesus. For no matter how great, no matter how powerful, no matter how evil a man may be, there is no one greater than our God. There's never been a man or a king or a nation who could stand against the Lord of glory. If you believe it, say amen. For the Bible says in Psalm 89, 68, who in all of heaven can compare with the Lord? What mightiest angel is anything like the Lord? The highest angelic powers stand in awe of God. He is far more awesome than all who surround his throne. O Lord God of heaven's armies, where is there anyone as mighty as you, O Lord? You are entirely faithful. And here's what that means for all of us today. There is no demon in hell. There's no witch in the village. There's no fetish priest anywhere who can overturn God's decrees for your life. You can be at peace because God is sovereign. No company director, no boss, no chief, no ruler, no power on earth can hold you back from your God-given destiny. No matter what you face today, God is on the throne. Jesus is God's promise fulfilled. Jesus is God's presence in us. And Jesus is God's power to prevail. That's the lesson we can learn from a Jesus follower named Bernard Marcus. Bernard came from a very poor family, grew up in New Jersey, USA. He wanted to be a doctor, but there was no money in his family to send him to school. Nevertheless, Bernard was a devoted Christian, and he prayed and trusted God and began working with his hands as a carpenter while attending a public school. And through hard work and diligence and the blessing of God, Bernard was able to complete university. He started off small, working in different, different jobs, slowly advancing his career. 
Until finally, after many years of perseverance, Bernard Marcus made it big. He was promoted to become the CEO of a chain of retail stores called Handy Dan. Here he was, the fulfillment of his goals and desires. God had elevated him, and he was the chairman and the chief executive officer of Handy Dan, stores throughout America. But then as he was at the pinnacle of his power, at the pinnacle of his success, there was a power struggle on the board. Enemies rose up against him, and before anybody could stop them or he knew what had happened, he was removed and forced out of his position as CEO. At 49 years of age, having spent his life building his career, it now seemed as all his efforts had been wiped out by his enemies. Imagine how discouraged he must have felt. His salary was gone. His reputation was gone. He was hurt. He felt betrayed. But Bernard Marcus knew that God is still on the throne. He believes in God's promise. He has God's presence. And he has the power of God to prevail. So Bernard did not give up. Bernard knew that God's promises are still true. And if he closed one door, he would open up another door. If he closed one door, he would open a horizon. If you believe it, say amen. So through prayer and determination, Bernard Marcus started his own company. It was called Home Depot, and it was in direct competition to Handy Dan. It was like David against Goliath. Here was Handy Dan, a chain of successful stores known all through America, and here was Bernard Marcus by himself starting a store called Home Depot. How could he possibly hope to compete. But through prayer and determination, Home Depot began to grow. It began to open more stores. It became so successful that eventually Home Depot forced Handy Dan out of business. Today, there is no Handy Dan in America, but Home Depots are located all throughout the U.S. And Bernard Marcus is worth over 6.2 billion U.S. dollars. He's a legend in the faith and a legend in the business community. And his lesson to us today is that God is on the throne. See, friends, the truth is God can close one door but open a horizon. He can use the storm that is blowing against you to turn you around and eventually drive you to your destination. You may feel that the wind is blowing you off course, but God is using it to blow you to your destiny. If you'll stay in faith, if you'll keep your peace, if you'll see God's hand upon every situation, he will turn it around. His power is with you to prevail. Today, understand that Christmas is God's presence with us. It's his promise fulfilled, and it's his power in us to prevail. For when you get the presence of God inside of you, you get the fullness of God. Everything that God brings, he brings with his presence to you. And as we come to the end of the year, there are many companies giving out 
awards. Some companies have employee of the year during this period. They reward and award the best employee for the year. Some schools have teacher of the year. Time Magazine awards a person of the year, the person they feel has done the most to make the world different and make a big impact. But I have a declaration today. I declare not employee of the year, not teacher of the year, not person of the year. I declare that Jehovah is God of the year. He's the only God who keeps every promise. He's the only God who never fails. He's the only God who loves us. He's omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. But he's not just God of the year. He's God of the decade. He's God of the century. He's the God of the generations. Jehovah is the everlasting God. Somebody say amen. For Isaiah 40, 28 and 29 says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. And I'm here to tell you, we serve a mighty God. He created all things. The one who formed the eye can heal it. The one who formed the heart can heal it. The one who gave you life knows how to make it work. Our God knows all things and sees all things, and there is nothing. Nothing too hard for him. No problem he cannot solve. No path he cannot make clear. And all that great power and might and wisdom of God is contained in Jesus. He's the fulfillment of everything you need. He's the fulfillment of every promise. And on Christmas Day, God wrapped up all that power and all that eternity and all that wisdom. He wrapped up the best gift of all himself and put it inside human flesh and brought it to us. For the Bible says in Colossians 2.9, in Christ, in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. But Jesus didn't come just to display God's glory. He didn't come just to show us God's glory. He came to bring God's glory, the fullness of power, the fullness of promise, the fullness of the Almighty into us so that we could be rescued, redeemed, and restored. Jesus, with the fullness of the Father, came to live in us. He is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. And when God is with us, we have all we need. We have every promise fulfilled in Jesus. We can be at peace in every storm. We can rest without worry in every circumstance of life. With Christ in us, the power and the fullness of God is ours. Every need is met, every promise fulfilled, every power available. Today, in Jesus, he's here for you. He's here for all of us. So open up your hearts and welcome him. Welcome him into your life. For whatever you need, Christ is the answer. He is the promise fulfilled, the presence of God, the power to prevail. Would you pray with me? Just place your hands on your chest and pray after me. Let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, I worship you. The reason we celebrate is because of you. You are the center of this Christmas and of the universe. 
in you, Lord Jesus, the fullness of God dwells. We invite you into our hearts. Come into our lives. Take control. Sit on the throne. Be the Lord of our lives. Fulfill every promise. Bring us God's presence. Give us the power to prevail that we will be united with you for your glory, in your love, this Christmas and in the new year. We thank you by faith, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you for listening to this message. Reverend Richard C. Whitcomb is the senior pastor of Agape House New Testament Church in East Legon. If you are ever in Accra, we will like you to worship with us on Saturday night at 6 p.m. or on Sunday at 7.30 a.m., 9.30 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. You will have an awesome experience.